Hello and welcome to episode 17 of Saladcast. Myself, Ollie and Glyn. Hi, Ollie, you all right, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. And also, for the first time, we have a guest joining us. So, um, so um, hi, Sam. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you, Ollie. So, uh, here for the next episode of Saladcast. Um, looking forward to uh, having a good chat about everything uh, Shrewsbury Town. Just want to say thanks to, to the pair of you for inviting me along. Um, just a little bit about me. Uh, season ticket holder at the moment in block 17 unfortunately sit near Glynn that's <laughs> uh, a nice aim for uh, a few coins and whatnot. if he annoys me too much tonight but no anyway um, yes yeah, so I started watching the town in about 1995 um, remember going to the old Wembley for the uh, game against Rotherham but uh, we won't talk too much about that bearing in mind who our new manager is um, my favourite game I think is probably the MK Dons away in the playoff uh, semi-final with Gary Peters in charge the atmosphere brilliant Andy Cook banging them in while the MK Dons fans are goading us with you're not singing anymore hopefully we can get back to uh, similar success uh, under Paul Hurst yeah yeah, uh, I think that's a fair thing to say Sam I'd say me and Ollie have known you for quite a while um, we obviously sit quite near you in the ground as well we all used to play for the away supporters uh, where Sam was one of our goalkeepers of quite renown so um, he's probably got a lot to say on the housestead and, uh, and look wider situation at the moment and uh, yeah it's good to have a third voice Ollie isn't it finally I know you've been you're desperate for it because I think you're bored of talking to me all these weeks on end yeah, I think it's just also good just to get someone on there who might have a different opinion. Um, and I guess to kind of start with that, just to, before we go into the game, but what was your initial thoughts on her, Sam? Were you pleased with the appointment? Uh, I'll be honest, I was slightly underwhelmed. Um, for some people, they might know, uh, for the last sort of five years, I've been working in the regional press up in Lincolnshire. So I, uh, I've i sort of seen and heard a bit about Paul Hurst while he was at Grimsby. For me, he uh, he appeared to sort of fail a few times with Grimsby. They had big budgets in the conference, failed in the playoffs a couple of times. So I'll hold my hands up. When he uh, when he was named as the new manager, I did think a little bit of, uh, mm, is that the, the right appointment? I'm not sure. But happy to give him a go. I've been told by a few colleagues in Lincolnshire that he is a good, really good man manager and that I think that is what we need. Um, mm. We've got some good players in the in the squad but they just weren't being played to their potential in the right positions, the right formation. Hopefully, Paul Hurst can sort of get them, uh, get them in the right mindset and uh, and get them playing and hopefully climbing that table. Yeah, it's, it's nice, isn't it, Ali, to have someone that probably of all the Shrewsbury Town fans uh, that we kind of know and, and have spoken to over the years, it, it's got quite a good idea of Paul Hurst and what he could bring to us because I've obviously experienced working over there. So, yeah, it's, it's quite nice to have a, a voice that's got some authority, Ollie, instead of <laughs> us coming up with our random football <laughs> thoughts each week. So, uh, yeah, it's... Um, it's it's certainly uh, interesting to get that other viewpoint, isn't it? Cool. So I guess the um, guess now it's going to the Oxford game. Yeah, straight into an Oxford game. I did want to say, Ollie, in one of my you know usual jokey type situations, that it's been a very interesting week in uh, you know the world, hasn't it? Donald Trump, you know, becoming president of America, but even more unbelievably, Shrewsbury won a home game. So I think it's probably uh, probably more to talk about in Shrewsbury win a home game than the politics in America. So I think you and Sam can get straight into it because obviously I missed the game. So uh, yeah, I'm interested to see what you guys think, and uh, yeah, we'll go straight into it now. Sloppy clearance, ball bouncing around. So yeah, finally Shrewsbury Town won a home game. Absolutely amazing. It's been a long time coming, and obviously that gives us some uh, evidence that Paul Hurst is starting to turn things around. So um, just before we get into the the Shrewsbury and Oxford game, Ollie, actually I think we probably should have just said that there was a game in the week that we probably said we weren't going to mention, but we should mention very briefly. Obviously going up to the Middlesbrough under twenty one teams uh, and winning in the uh, the Checker Trade Trophy, which did set everybody up in good spirits for this game, didn't they? With a nice confident three 0 win, and uh, there's not much more we can really say about that game, is there? Ollie, other than it was probably the confidence booster we needed coming into this league game. 
Yeah, definitely scoring a few goals, another clean sheet, um, definitely a positive. Um, I wasn't sure, I wasn't, yeah, I was, this game, <laughs> going to this game never ever com- came into my comprehension. I don't know whether, Sam, you were thinking of going to this, <laughs> going to that game, sorry. I'll be totally honest, it never even crossed my mind. <laughs> I didn't think it. There was only yeah, there was about thirty town fans, weren't there, Ollie? Yeah, there's thirty town fans. Yeah, so it's a bit complicated, isn't it? I, I kind of agree with the boycott, but at the same time, fair play to the fans that did go because they want to support the team. And um, so yeah, so it sounds like we played quite well. And yeah, we got a few friends out with for the away supporters. Andy was up there, and he was very positive about the team. So um, so yeah, it was uh, another win and um, continued the good reign of form under Hurst. Yeah, which leads us into obviously Saturday and the. The incredibly positive situation that it was, both on and off the field with the fans as well. So, just for people who don't know, and obviously most Shrewsbury fans will know, we won 2 0. Uh, the goals from AJ Leach Smith on the 19th minute, and then Sean Wally way into injury time, very, very deep injury time, 90, 90 minutes plus eight, it says on the Sky website. So, you guys must have been hanging around a while at the end there. I suppose most people had already gone as usual, but there we go. Um, and also, a quite encouraging attendance of 5,491, which is, is well up on the last few weeks. and obviously does maybe start to show that Paul Fahurst effect on the fan base and, and maybe starting to you know bring those fans that have been missing back. So obviously Ollie's all usually got his statistics that he likes to bring to the podcast, so I think I'll throw to him now and he can he can kind of give us some stats before we get into the match action. Yeah, so yeah, so this um so this game um so gave us and then that we've had three clean sheets under Hurst, which is obviously a, a big thing that we've highlighted, isn't it, on the pod that our defence has been shocking. So that was good. Um, in terms of we league win, this is the first time um, we'd won in the league since the third of September, Jeez. which obviously just kind of highlights how poor we'd we'd been. Um, and also, yeah, so the two nil um, win ends a ten match winning um, winless streak, um, but also um, a fourteen game stretch without a, a league clean sheet. So. Um, yeah, he's, he's working miracles, isn't he? Yeah, I don't know what you guys... I mean, I obviously wasn't there, as I've mentioned so far this week. So, it, you know, what did you two think of the team when it was announced? Because obviously there was a few changes. Sam, what did you what did you initially think of what had gone on, really? I, I quite liked it, to be honest, how he, how he set up. Um, it seemed quite simple and, and straightforward. I mean, it was one of them where you walk into the ground, you, you see what the team lineup is, and you can you can see what the manager is actually trying to do. Um, it... it Okay, it was a, a diamond. It wasn't a, a sort of flat midfield four, but you could you could understand the roles that each player was given, and I think that was that was evident when you actually watched the game unfold as well. Everyone knew what their individual role was, and obviously that is something that we were missing um, under Mickey Mellon towards yeah. the end. It, players didn't seem to know what they were doing, what they were meant, where they were meant to be. And, and their individual role in the team. And that was something that really, for me, uh, as the first game I've seen under Paul Hurst, really stood out. Yeah, he's simplified it, hasn't he, Ollie? Yeah, he's definitely simplified it. So um, so going into the into the team, um, we had um, Halstead in goal, because obviously Luke Viola was away on um, um, Canadian international duty. He got yep. a clean sheet, so that was quite interesting. And then Grimmer right back, Lancashire Elhab. Sadler moved to left back with Sadler and Lancashire coming in. With We had a hamstring injury to Brown, so he wasn't risked and he was um, he was dropped for the game through injury. Deegan, um, as Sam kind of said there, playing in, a, you know, in his natural position. So obviously we had... Deegan playing his natural position, which allowed Dodds to play in his natural number 10 position with um, Tony Leach-Smith up front with O'Brien and Gogo in the centre midfield. So, yeah, it was, a, it was definitely a much um, better balance to the team. And, um, yeah, this clearly seems to have been... Um, it's quite interesting you saying about the, the man management side, Sam, because he's clearly done something. Like He's clearly improved the confidence of the team. Yeah, I mean, everyone just seemed to, to be up for a battle, Um it, no, in the last few weeks under under the previous management, if we let a goal in, heads would go down and sort of 
it seemed to be the end of uh, the end of the contest. We never seemed to have that confidence to to go on and uh, and and get back into the game. But I don't know what Hurst has done, but he, it, like you say, him and uh, and uh, Chris Doig have have done something, and and everyone was was up for the battle, and and were never going to give up um, until obviously the final whistle. Yeah, it's, it's confidence as well, isn't it? With with as I say, we did talk about the Checker Trade Trophy and obviously the Barnet game and and the and the creditable draw away. You know that makes your life as a manager much easier, doesn't it? In terms of getting people motivated and getting their confidence and their their levels back up. If you then suddenly go on a three game unbeaten run when you've been right down in the doldrums, that's the sort of thing that's made Paul Hurst's job in terms of man management a damn sight easier because he's got players who who now want to play for him who are, who are performing much better and and you know from everything I've read about the last few games having not been there, that's the sort of thing that's coming across and that. Fans are believing in the battle and believing, starting to believe in players that we kind of lost that faith in. So, yes, yeah, it sounded good. Yes, no, it was good. It was very good. And um, yeah, let's go into the um, let's go into the um, the game. So I don't know whether Sam, if you want to kind of lead us into the first goal. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I've described it as a, a car crash of a finish. But <laughs> uh, then who cares? Because it went in. So um, I'm not going to complain too much about that. But I mean. I think the Oxford goalkeeper, um, he pulled off a few world-class saves later in the game, but he definitely gave us a helping hand. Um, Louis Dodds, I think it was, um, carried the ball forward and, and hit a shot from 25, 30 yards, which seemed to be quite comfortable for uh, for the keeper, but he somehow spooned it onto the bar. And for some reason, AJ Leach-Smith, don't get me wrong, it was great to see him following in for, for, for once, and, and that's not a slight on him, that's a... a, a observation of all our strikers they don't seem to or mm. they didn't seem to follow in too often for this sort of incident but I'm not sure why he was trying a diving header uh, sort of six inches off the ground and <laughs> I think Paul Hurst summed it up nicely by saying he had a, a grass burn on his nose um, but it, like I say it was great to see him uh, following in for, for anything that uh, that was spilt towards him and although he didn't finish it with his head and um, I'm not sure what part of his body he did finish it with but it was like I say it was great to see him throwing himself at the ball quite literally, and uh, and being there to bundle it over the line. He's a sniffer, isn't he? He's a goal poacher. Yeah, he is a goal poacher. And it, it, in real time, and I've also watched it back a couple of times, I still can't quite make out what exactly happened. Because, yeah, he kind of like dives his head into the ground and then like he kind of rolls over and the ball ends up in the back of the net somehow. So I'm not sure quite how he he did that. But it's good for him, isn't it? So obviously that means that he's now scored um, four goals in four games under Hurst. And, Goal scorer was something we um, we definitely lacked. Yeah, we've talked previous episodes, haven't we, Ollie, about um, AJ Smith being a bit un- unfortunate because he was Mellon's first choice at the start of the season. He played the first three games, didn't he? And I think he got the first goal of the season in one of the cup games. Was it against Huddersfield? Uh, yeah, I think it was. And then obviously got a bit of a niggly injury and, and then was out for quite some time. And we were wondering if he was still injured, weren't we, a few weeks back because we'd not really heard too much about it. But yeah, it's nice that you can put that behind him now. And actually, it's kind of like for um, the new manager getting his first new player back because he's obviously not been available for such a long time. So I, I hope it continues and he keeps banging him in because we very rarely have strikers that score 10 goals a season, but he's, well, 20 goals a season. But he's got a chance now, hasn't he, You know, if he keeps playing like this? Yeah, it was, the first half was really good. Um, I thought Shrewsby played really well. Um, Oxford were terrible, though. The number of times that they, um, like you know, tried to play like a through ball or ball over the top and it went out um, for a goal kick to Shrewsbury or the balls that went out, they Oxford were really poor. But I'd say Shrewsbury had a very good first half and um, yeah, well, well deserving of a um, of one nil lead. And I think we probably could have been. I could think we, you know, we could have scored a, a couple of times again in the first half. It was it was that good a performance. Yeah, I don't think Oxford could have complained too much if they'd have gone in two, maybe even three down. Um, Louis Dodds had a, a couple of good chances. The keeper again. Has pulled off a couple of great saves to to deny uh, to do, deny Dodsey, but I think 
yeah, Oxford, you as you say, Ollie, were really poor first half. Their their passing, their 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 defensive work, it, they just, I mean, on the balance of that, they're going to be down there fighting for their uh, for their survival in League One this year as well. So I think you've summed that up quite nicely. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about Oxford and I think quite quite a lot of the teams is there seems to be a huge amount of inconsistency in the league. I don't know if you guys had noticed like how Berry are doing. So Berry had won something like four games in a row. Now I've lost seven in a row. So they're plummeting down. Um, Oxford uh, haven't been doing that well at the moment either. So um, yeah, it's it's a funny league this year. Um, and look at the league table now. Port Vale are seventh and we're only um, 11 points behind them. So yeah. I think I think we could easily, be, if, say easily, if we carry this vein of form, we'll definitely be out of the relegation zone by Christmas. In the, in the vein of form that is one win and one draw <laughs> and then a whole load of losses. So let's <laughs> let's not count our chicken jail, Lee, but no. it's a good start. But Let's be positive though, come on. No. <laughs> but that's a really good point though. So obviously you, you, haven't been, you haven't been able to come to the last few games and I think you kind of like highlights the kind of, I guess, where I and, I don't know, maybe Sam is, that like I left the game and okay, we're kind of coming to the end of the game, but I left the game and, like the first time was really entertaining again. The atmosphere was better, and you came away with you know a smile on your face, and you came away really optimistic. That it is, I would say, it has been a massive transformation. In the first half was fantastic. Yeah, I, th- I think I would I, I would agree with you, Ollie. But yeah, um, the last game I went to was where the whole place went completely insane, and everyone was shouting at Roland Witchley. So it's obviously a lot of waters back under the bridge there. And I, I cannot wait to get to my first game and, and see how this transformation's occurred, and and you know keep my fingers crossed that the, the sort of form continues and that and that motivation and that and optimism is is returned. And I think it's going to be reflected in this podcast. I'm not being negative for the sake of being negative, and I, I think that he could not have done more personally. Old, old Pearl Hurst, everything he's done so far has, has been exactly what he could have done. So. Yeah, I, I I think it's been fantastic. How, what do you think, Sam? Do you, do you were you shocked how different it was, like the um, the atmosphere and the performances? Yeah, I mean, even I was I was drinking in the Power League bar beforehand, and even in there, there seemed to be a different sort of air of positivity. Um, it, everyone seemed up for going into the ground and seeing what was going to going to unfold before us. I mean, in the last few weeks, people have sort of been turning up as a oh, I've already paid for my season ticket. I might as well keep going, but. We know what's going to happen. Whereas on Saturday, everyone seemed to sort of be buzzing to get in and uh, and see what was happening. And like you say, as as you were coming out of the ground, everyone was smiling, everyone was happy, everyone was pleased with what they'd seen. Not obviously a win helps, but the way that we were playing, the the battle, the desire, the determination, and obviously a few of the individual uh, performances as well. I think battle is probably a good place to maybe start talking about the um, the second half. So um, second half, um, Oxford came out and um, God knows what happened in their dressing room at halftime, but Oxford came out all guns blazing um, and they really, really gave us a tough time, for, especially for the first 20 minutes of the, the first half where they had lots and lots of chances um, and they were really putting us under a lot of pressure. Yeah, I think they uh, I think they got what's known as a rocket from the manager at half time. Um, they they really did look a different side, didn't they, when they came out for the second half and yeah. they they got they got at us straight away. There there was a lot more tempo in their in their play and like you say they they created a few uh, a few good chances and obviously that will bring us on to to Mark Halstead in in the town goal who I personally I'm not his biggest fan and I do think that Jason Lookwiler is the better goalkeeper. But Mark Halstead was absolutely superb on Saturday. It sounds to me like there's a, there's a debate to be had there, isn't there, about goalkeepers? Because I was saying to Sam just before you, you found us up on Skype, we were just having a chat before about how me and you had been talking about look wider in the last few weeks. And I think I probably said something along the lines of there is now, an, there is now a, a debate to be had about whether he should be dropped because 
we, we were saying he, he has a lot, you know, during the Mellon era when it was particularly bad at the end there, he had a lot of work to do every week. But he was also making occasional mistakes and we talked about his inability to come off the line and the punching, which has got us into trouble a couple of times. But from everything I've been listening to over the last day or so since the match was, is that Halstead did put a performance in that really should make the manager have a serious think about who's our first-choice goalkeeper going forward. For me, I'm a bit maybe a bit like Sam was just saying there. I still think that Lutwide is the more solid keeper, but is he actually in his best form at the moment and, and whether that's something that should be looked at. So I don't know what you think about it, Ollie, but it's something to be discussed. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's probably just worth having a mini-debate now. I'd, I'd say... Um, yeah, Lutweiler's the better all-round goalkeeper, better um, at yeah, saves and shot-stopping and stuff. Um, but Helstead made some fantastic saves in this game, um, really. But also the the Oxford goalkeeper made, he made an absolutely, I can't remember who it was off, I think it, must, I think it was off Dodds. And he was really low to his ground and he basically just put his right, somehow got his right hand down to it in the first half. And it was, um, yeah, both goalkeepers um, were, had a great game. And if it wasn't for both of them having such um, such a great game, it would have been quite a high scoring game. But yeah, Helstead was really good and... Um, what, what, what did you make across? What did you make of his punch, um, Sam? He did at one point. I always, as a as a non goalkeeper, you always want your goalkeepers to kind of catch the ball. But he did a superb punch in the second half. Yeah, I mean, personally, I'm not too fussed whether a goalkeeper catches or punches, as long as if they choose to punch, they punch and they clear their lines. Which is why, for me, it's not a big issue with Lutweiler because he does tend to come well when he does come he does tend to to get distance on his punching but you're right Mark Halstead I think it was um a, a cross that had sort of been deflected up in the air and he came out and he, he was really commanding and he got a real solid right fist to it but what I liked the most about that was he cleaned out the Oxford striker Wes Thomas as well it was sort <laughs> of it was a, a real sort of message of intent of that's my ball and I'm getting there whether you're going to move or not and that is one thing that people can rightly sort of question Lutweiler about. He doesn't command his area maybe as much as he should do. Personally, I don't think Mark Halstead does as well, but on Saturday he was really good at, uh, at coming off his line and narrowing angles, taking crosses, punching clear. And uh, and that, combined with his save from that header just after half-time, which for me was world-class, um, means that he, uh, he deserves to keep his place on Saturday, even though uh, Jason is back. Yeah, that's the question I was going to ask, Ollie, is would you, what would you do next? Because Sam had said to me he thought the Halstead probably deserved to start on Saturday. What what do you think? Is is it something where you'd stick with Halstead or would you revert back to, to Lutwiler on, on the evidence that he is our first-choice goalkeeper? What would you do, mate? Um, I think Halstead, I think Sam's right. I think Halstead played really, really well. Um, I think it would be unfair um, to... Um to drop him mm. um, but one thing I thought that Halstead was better at was his kicking but his kicking was actually pretty wayward on Saturday which I don't know Sam isn't his kicking normally better than Lutweiler's I always thought that was that was my impression of him yeah I, th- I think um, I think Halstead is seen as the better kicker um, personally I don't think it was too bad on, on Saturday um, maybe conditions weren't ideal there was a, a little bit of wind and, and obviously it was a bit of a wintry day so maybe that had an impact but um, I think Overall, Halstead is the better kicker of, of the two, and um, and maybe it's something that uh, that we need to look at to, for, with both keepers. I mean, distribution is a big part of goalkeeping, and uh, it, I know that uh, our own sort of Joe Hart has uh, has suffered from <laughs> uh, from people having opinions on distribution. So it, it's an interesting topic. I mean, Halstead, yes, I'd say is the better kicker, but. Uh, 
I, I think off his overall performance from Saturday, uh, like I say, he deserves to keep his place. Um, it's not so much Lutwiler deserves to be sat on the bench, but uh, it, that's the, the beauty of having two goalkeepers that, uh, that are both, or have both, been playing pretty well. Yeah, we've never had that very many times, have we, to be fair? No, we haven't. No, often normally. And I don't know, obviously we don't know this one. It'll be interesting to know whether it is quite standard in League One. I imagine a lot of teams in League One have a fairly decent substitute goalkeeper. But yeah, I guess Hal said kind of you saw this as the opportunity for him to make a stake in the in the team. And be interesting to see what Hurst has said to him before the game, whether, you know, if you have a good performance, you will stay in the team. And I guess that's going to put a interesting dilemma uh, for Hurst. And actually, with the league games we've had and obviously and these international call-ups, he has meant that I think we've played something like 20 players or something like that over the course of these four games so it's obviously getting a chance to see these players um, but also um, he, he does give him some selection headaches which is which is a nice a nice challenge for him to have yeah this is the point of time where he's sort of sifting through isn't he to, to sort of find the ones that he might be looking to move on in January and and then also find the areas where he's got players who can do a job for the moment but you know there, there are those areas where we're going to strengthen and I very much doubt he's going to want to bring in a new goalkeeper you know he's probably going to have been pretty content with those options there but there are other areas where we won't want to look at so um yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens next week. But um, for me, I let's have some disagreement on the podcast. Ollie. I'd still stick with Lutwiler. I just think he is a class goalkeeper and is, is going to probably go on to play for a club at a higher level at some point. Whereas I think Halstead's probably playing at about the highest level he might might be able to achieve. Maybe that's a bit harsh, but that's just what I think from having watched them over the last couple of years. But um, there we go. We've disagreed on something, Ollie. Is that a first time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I think there'll be a few more. Um, but yeah, just on, on the second half, um, in terms of defensive performance, I thought we were excellent and we just showed a different mentality again. Um, defensively, yeah, we rode our luck and watching the highlights back again kind of reminds you of, well, it was very tense until we, um, Wally scored that goal um, at the end in extra time. And um, But defensively and the mentality of the players, we kept on going and I, I, I genuinely believe that I think if this had been Mickey Mellon in charge, um, I think we probably would have lost that game maybe 2-1 or 3-1 or something like that. I don't think we would have had the mental um, grit and determination to um, defend defend our lead. And that that's a huge change um, in, the, in, in the way that the players were really, really fighting and trying to stop any crosses coming in. Um, so yeah, I thought that was that was a big positive for me, and obviously the clean sheets are kind of the reward of that. But um, yeah, defensively we were much better, and obviously Sam, you, you, obviously this is the first game you've seen under Hurst. I guess that was a, a welcome a welcome change for you. Yeah, it was. I mean, you're right in that that sort of first twenty minutes after half time, Oxford. There's no arguing we're we're on top. Um, they didn't create a huge amount of clear cut chances, but as you say, that was more down to us being sort of disciplined and uh, and sort of in two banks of four not letting them create a clear-cut chance and uh, and like you say with uh, with the Mickey Mellon era towards the end five or ten minutes of pressure you sort of knew that the other team were going to score and once they scored heads would go down they'd probably score again so it was really nice to see a team that worked hard when we didn't have the ball to make sure the other team couldn't breach us and 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 score and I think one of the, the key parts to that was Gary Deegan, who I thought probably had one of his best games for, for the club since he joined in the summer, um, sort of sitting at the base of the diamond in midfield. I thought he was he, it was a very professional, disciplined performance from him. Um, we've seen him put a few wild tackles in and he's, he's picked up plenty of bookings and he's been sent off. And it was one of them games where we were on the back foot for a little while and I was expecting him to maybe pick up a book in or put a few silly tackles in that might have cost us. But I thought he was superb. He, he had a calm head. 
He looked to just keep things simple. He broke up play, and I, I just thought he was uh, he was absolutely brilliant for us on Saturday. I talked to my brother later earlier on today when I was round at my parents. Um, also, I should just say, Ollie, last week I described my mum as a mad dog type manager. As, as we rightly guessed last week, she didn't take that very well. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I should apologise to my mum. But um, yeah, that uh, my mum and my dad and my brother were there, and they were saying it. It did feel a little bit like, although we were under pressure, exactly what Sam's just said there. But it it also felt at times like the shackles had come off. There were. There were attacking situations or situations where we won the ball back where different decisions were being made, whereas they were looking to, to, to play that forward ball or slightly more attacking ball, whereas under Mellon we might have looked for that ball back to Alabda, the defenders, to try and build the phases back from the back. So, you know, that, that sort of backs up what you were not in, and Sam was saying really, I guess, is that um, you're not the only people to have noticed it. And, and, and the fundamental thing about that is it's fundamentally more exciting and entertaining to watch football be played like that, and that's what fans want to see. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a really good point you've um, you've mentioned. That sounds something I wanted to to talk about, and we kind of missed over it on the first half. But yeah, there was a lot of intricate passing, and when we every whenever, especially our midfielders got the ball or the fullbacks got the ball, everyone was looking forward, trying. Um, also, they always seemed to be there. Always seemed to be one or two options on. Um, and I think, well, for me, there's a few um, three key things there. Is obviously the players are playing a bit more confidence, but I'm really impressed with um, Leach Smith's running. He's constantly on the move. He's constantly looking for the ball over the top. Um, and that means, obviously, the opposition defence have to sit back a little bit, which then creates some space in midfield. Under Mickey Mellon, we often found that we went down cul-de-sacs um, and there was never any space and nowhere to, to pass the ball. And we always seem to, to run out of options. But now we all seem to have options. And, yeah, as, as Sam kind of mentioned, Deegan was key to that. He was distributing the ball, putting the ball to full-backs. Um, getting the ball to O'Brien, getting the ball to Dodds. And yeah, Dodds and Leach Smith um, had another good um, play. And it was also kind of shackles off. We had quite a few times where we had players were doing back heels, but they actually worked. And in the second half, when um, Dodds had a really good chance, it came from a, a, a Tony back heel to a Gogo who went flying down the kind of line the wing, um, crossed it, well, tried to cross it back, deflected and came to Dodds. And that's when their keeper made that excellent save. But um, yeah, it was quite fun to see. And it was definitely more entertaining. Yeah, I mean, it, like you say, it just seemed a lot more free-flowing. Um, OK, it's not Barcelona or Real Madrid, <laughs> but it's not going to be with Shrewsbury Town. But having that sort of attitude of let's go out there and try and win a game of football, we've not seen that at the Meadow for a long time. And it's just nice to see a team that are, are willing to dig in and, and sort of fight from the trenches, as they say, when we're under pressure, but also have a go and try and win a game of football. Yes, it's almost like they're doing exactly what we've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks, Ollie. Do you think the football club are listening to this podcast a lot more than we think they are? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe the players have been listening. They're right. You know what? Those lads are right. We really should try and score some goals. Well, we know Ethan Jones has been listening, don't we? Maybe he's the mole in the dressing room. We maybe he's passing it all on to him. So there we go. But That's a nice name drop. Though. It, oh, yeah, we know Ethan listens. We've talked about Ethan before. We appreciate him, and we want him. We want him to play more because he's one of our listeners. We know, but um, but it is true though, isn't it, Ollie? And, and We've not been saying anything that's out of out of order, really. When you think about it, we've been saying we want to be entertained, we want to see more attacking football, and we want to, you know, feel like the money we're paying and the time we're spending on this endeavour of supporting our local football club is actually worth it. And you know, all of those things are exactly what it looks to be like the new manager's hoping and trying to bring to us. So it, that, that's what I think. The, the other thing I pick up on that you two have said about options and and intricate football is it's for me it's not a, 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 a difficult thing to figure out that putting two strikers up front gives you more options going forward you you have that one that can run you have the one that can stay off and, and you give yourself more of an ability to push defenders on the back foot AJ Leach is AJ Leach Smith gives us the thing we never had previously which was pace Tony's still playing a reasonable standard he's been trying his best even through the, the back periods so for me just being able to play two strikers up front at home 
that there's no Shrewsbury Town fan can complain about that and is exactly what we wanted to see for months and I think that's got to be the way forward for the rest of the season. It doesn't matter if we're playing, you know, Sheffield United or, or Bury or, you know, Chesterfield or bottom of the league. We should still think we're at home, this is our manner, we'll play two strikers and we'll try and score more goals than you. And and let's have that as our attitude going forward because that's what will get us out of trouble. I think Tony and Leach Smith have uh, sort of shown that there's possibility of uh, forming a decent partnership there as well. I mean, it's almost the, the typical um, sort of traditional big man, little man, but they, mm. they look like they're linking up quite nicely. Um, obviously, we sort of had a bit of a joke about the, the game in midweek at Middlesbrough, but a couple of the goals, the, there was a nice link-up play between the two of them. So hopefully, if they can both stay fit and keep scoring goals, um, that's only going to benefit us. That's true. That game could have been a total waste of time. But as I was trying to say right at the start of this whole thing is that actually Paul Hurst used it to do exactly the thing he needed to do, build up that link-up play between players in certain positions. And it absolutely looks like it paid dividends on Saturday. And therefore, going all the way to Middlesbrough in in a bit of a slog that no one really wanted to do has probably ended up being a big part of the reason why we've got another three points and trying to get out of the relegation trouble. So I I completely agree with that, Sam. Just just while we're talking then, obviously that, that kind of covers the game, but you've not really mentioned the last goal. I've seen the highlights of it. Looked like a bit of a mental situation with eight minutes of injury time and a breakdown the goal sort of thing. So you know, you two must have been going mental because my my mum and dad were saying that it was a real explosion of excitement and passion when that goal went in because it's been so long and and we've waited so long for that victory to be secure. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. must admit when the sorry, Ollie, when the um, when the free kick was given to Oxford, which is where it all started, sort of from twenty five yards out, I think everyone just thought, "Oh no, please don't." <laughs> but again, we defended that well. The wall did its job, and then we battled. We won the second ball, and when Wally was released, everyone knew he had the pace to to go through and uh, and have a shot on goal. But it was the way he finished it for me that uh, that sort of showed the difference in in sort of the team from six weeks ago and and to now. I mean, how many times do we see a town player go through on goal, one-on-one with the keeper, and hit the keeper or put it wide or put it over? You've said it, I didn't want to. (laughs) (laughs) But he he, he had the the sort of presence of mind to to think about what he was going to do and he he made the keeper commit himself. And as you saw him dink the ball over, like you say, Glenn, the the sort of release of, Mm. uh, of... passion and, and relief I think in a way but yeah. jubilation as well it it reminded me almost the scenes of, uh, of when Grimmer scored against Sheffield Wednesday in the uh, the FA Cup it's just that release I mean as the ball hit the back of the net you could see on the highlights the south stand were going pretty uh, pretty mental which <laughs> you don't often see but it's it was just you're right it was sort of that anticipation because he ran from well within his own half and miles back, you, he? You, you sort of were it was almost in slow motion, which is bizarre to say, because he obviously was was really quick covering that ground. But it 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 was just a, one of them where you were thinking, please just round it off nicely, and and he did, and it it was just a great finish for me. What were you doing, Ollie, at that point? Um, yeah, I was building up to the goal. There was a lot of tension, wasn't there? So it was <laughs> yeah. very very tense second half, and um, I'm I was I'm actually not feeling so well. I got a bit of man flu, um, and I wasn't. <sighs> Um, so, so don't hope for my girlfriend probably won't listen to this podcast anyway. But I probably shouldn't have been to the game yesterday. We've been over this, Ollie. Well. She does not listen to this podcast. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I went absolutely effing mental when we scored. Um, just like swinging my, sc- I didn't have a shoes with scarf, but just swinging my scarf around, grabbing my mates, um, jumping up and down. And then when I kind of stopped to realise, I oh, actually I feel quite ill uh, and I lost my voice. But um, yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. And and did you hear? Um, did you guys hear what um, Wally said? He Wally. Did the post-match interview? Do you know what he, did you hear what he said about the goal? No, mate. No, go on. 
So he said that um, he said when he was taking when Maguire was taking the free kick, he said if I get the ball here, I'm going to dink the keeper. So oh, he right. planned what he was going to do. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting. So he planned that he was going to dink the keeper, and then yeah, he just ran through and um, yeah, he just put the ball in the back of the net. And yeah, it's it's great because obviously that gives some confidence. And it was also nice that he ran all the way over to um, to skit as well. So he ran basically the length of the pitch twice. So obviously he's he's, he's back back in full fitness now. Yeah, I think actually we should just say a thing about Chris Skitt and you know, we never really talk about physios at football clubs, do you? But we've got a good one in Chris, haven't we? He's brought a lot of players back through some very serious injuries. You know, think of Weslovsky and uh, Knight Percival, you know, the sorts of career ending injuries we could have had and, and I think he's very highly regarded in Shrewsbury Town Football Club, but I believe he's also a very highly regarded physio within the football world as well. So the longer we can keep hold of Chris, because <laughs> hopefully, you know, I think we were joking about him leaving when Mellon went, but no, he stayed at the football club and he's obviously uh, um, living in the local area. So yeah, it's nice for him to experience that sort of, you know, actual physical payback in a match where that man you've sort of seen through some very tough times in terms of Sean Wally, been out for a long time, desperate to play, you've brought him through, you've, you've, you've helped him with the rest of the medical team, getting back on the pitch. Great, I think that was absolutely fantastic what Wally did run into Chris Skitt, and I think a lot of credit should go to the guy. Yeah, no, definitely, it's um, definitely a team effort, and it's interesting that um, um, Paul Hurst mentions it. He's mentioned it quite a few times. Um, the team, um, and yeah, the backroom staff, and yeah, it's fair play to the the guys that were there under Mellon have kind of like yeah adopted uh, Hurst, and yeah, it seems like it's a good team effort, and yeah, Wally coming back does create a bit of a um, a selection, uh, another selection dilemma for. Um, for Hurst, he has said that he's a he's a four four two man. Um, mm. He likes to play one one formation and keep up keep that formation in regularly, um, so the players get used to it. Which I think we'd agree is a good thing. Not changing your formation because of the opposition all the time. Obviously, that's a good idea. Sometimes, if you think you can get a, a major advantage, but you should be confident and believe in your own ability. And yeah, no, it was um, it was a, a fantastic finish. And I guess Sam, were you jumping up and down as well? I was. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice to actually have a goal that uh, that. Is worth celebrating both in in terms of the finish being top draw, but also securing that that win at home, which we've we've been waiting for for a long time. So yeah, I think everyone sort of celebrated in in a way of sort of just letting all that relief and, and tension and joy out all in one and uh, and hopefully we get to do it plenty more times in the next few weeks I should just say you know, you know at the stadium empties you always tend to come out at the same time as people and Sam said he sits a few rows behind us and for the last sort of six games at home against in Mickey Mellon's era every time I came out I bumped into Sam and a friend of his called Sean and we just had an epic sweary rant about what the hell was going on at the football club so I'm glad to hear that Ollie and Sam had a nice down Saturday and they're a bit happier because I've, I've seen so many sad faces around the meadow that it's nice to know everyone's feeling a little bit can't better be positive. Yeah, you go. exactly. Yeah, so um, just before we go on to talk about maybe some of Paul Hurst's comments, Ollie, it, it might just be worth you and um, Sam running through your top three, so we we can add that to the list for our uh, player of the season. So, Ollie, you probably go first. Who did you go for your top three? Yeah, so my top three I went for Deegan, then I went for AJ Lee Smith, and then I went for Halstead for my top three. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm similar. I went Gary Deegan as my top player. Uh, I've got Mark Halstead as my second choice because of his uh, his sort of all-round display and then I've gone Ivan Tony. Um okay he didn't get on the score sheet but I thought he really worked hard for, for 90 minutes and it, there was a nice flick from him in the build-up to the first goal and I just think his all-round play was was impressive he, uh, he had a bit of a rough deal from the Oxford centre-halves but he gives it back and uh, and yeah. I just like the way he, he keeps going to the end Did he petulantly kick anyone or dive? I'm not going to say anything because I know Ollie? you've got a, I know you've got an issue with <laughs> I, I, I like him as a player but I, I, I'm just glad to hear that he uh, Did he dive Ollie this week? Hopefully he didn't. He didn't dive, but he did get in. There was a one time where he got up very sharpish after um, <laughs> there was a few challenges. But but they they had some big lads at the back, and yeah, they were they were dirty. I know Oxford like you know they like the rugby down there, but like. <laughs> 
they were so dirty. They were grappling all the time. And um, yeah, their fans didn't like the ref. And I've seen um, a few things from their fans saying they didn't really like the ref. But if you keep trying to rugby tackle us, you were going to get fouls. And yeah, um, yeah that's what happened. And yeah, Sam's right. Tony did take um, a lot of flack and um, a lot of abuse in this game. And um, yeah, no, he did well. And I think everyone did well. I think that's probably the worth just mentioning as well, is that, you know, of all the players, everyone, and also the subs as well, everyone had a good game. Didn't we, only, we only made one sub, didn't we? Which is quite unusual, I think. Was, is that what the case? I think I read that. Uh, no, I think we made all if three. We made all three. End, Maybe we? it was Saturday. I was thinking, nah, Saturday we only made one sub. Anyway, there we go. I've got it completely wrong as usual. Ian Whitford will be on to tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, he likes telling you you've done stuff wrong. And then, <laughs> yeah, so Leach and Wally came on and we went to a 4-5-1, which just helped because, yeah, they were really stretching us and pushing their fullbacks on. So, yeah, that was good to see from um, manager as well, being tactically aware of what was going on. And the, the only thing, I, I mean, I've listened to the post-match interview as well because I was travelling back from Cumbria. Um, that's why I missed the game. But um, I, I heard that uh, Paul has a lot of good things to say about the fans, didn't he? And obviously it's the f- first time he's really got to experience that home atmosphere as good as you've explained it. And it was really nice to hit, see him picking up on that and really giving the fans some credit and, and trying to keep us all on that, that good thing. So what did, you, what did you make of what he said about that, Ollie? Yeah, so he said that um, it was quite an interesting um, comment. And I'd say... Um his comment was, um, I don't know what happens here usually, but I felt that was special. Um, and yeah, I kind of heard Sam correct me. I think it was like maybe like 75, 80 minutes into the game where the town fans just started chanting and clapping Paul Hurst Barmy Army. That's great. Um, and yeah, the fans really got behind the team. I think they realised it. And yeah, it was really funny right at the end of the game. Um, Agogo was going mental. I don't know if you saw it, Sam. He was going mental, going, yeah, come on. And, and he like almost did it in front of their player and they almost now had a little bit of a scrap. But yeah, all the players kind of turned to the fans um, all the way across the West End to kind of like, yeah, celebrate the win. And yeah, I, I, I genuinely believe the fans really did help get that, that win. Yeah, I think it was, uh, I think Oxford got a corner, but like you say, about, 10 minutes to go and uh, and we cleared it out for a throw in and it was after a few minutes of pressure and the whole crowd just seemed to go up and, and a big roar of encouragement and from that point onwards like you say it was just a non-stop chorus of Paul Hurst Barmy Army and and it was great to see it spread not only just along the west stand but around the whole uh, around the whole ground and everyone was getting involved and it was just it was nice to have that positive vibe around the ground um I mean, I've I've not been for a couple of weeks, but it really felt like there was a, a change in sort of mentality and attitude, not just on the pitch but off the pitch as well. Um, and you mentioned a go go there getting in Chris Maguire's face at the end. That was quite uh, quite funny because I had managed to make my way down to the front, um, and it wasn't too far away from where I was standing. And I'm, I'm not being funny, but uh, a go go's not one not the sort of person that you uh, you want to be annoying and. Uh, and sort of getting in his face, so uh, didn't, it, didn't, it was it was quite a quite a good one to watch. Didn't he put a really smashing <laughs> tackle in right near the end, Sam? Oh, he did. Uh, yeah. Oh, what a tackle! I mean, I was saying to you, Glenn, earlier that six weeks ago that tackle either wouldn't happen or it would happen, and our man would be uh, about five minutes late, and it would be a red card, and the other lad would have a broken leg. But <laughs> it was a real full-blooded fifty-fifty tackle, which Abu Agogo was just never ever going to pull out of, and he played the ball man and everything else he could play and the noise that just reverberated around the stadium from the the collision was incredible but that in in sort of one incident incident just sort of summed up the the whole sort of team ethic for me that's the bit I'm most going to have missed. I love smashing tackles like that. So there we go. And so obviously we're very positive. We've talked about the game and it actually got us off the bottom of the league, didn't it, Ollie? It's taken us up to 23rd because um, Chesterfield played today. I watched a little bit of that. I, I watched the, probably about the last 20 minutes just before half time and Chesterfield won 0 up, but 
Sheffield United were dominating the game, but I believe I had to go out later. I believe Sheffield United actually got back in it and won. Was it three one or four one? I think in the end. So not only yeah, did they stay below us, fills us for com- with confidence for next week. Yeah, slight concern <laughs> that, but at least it's knackered their goal difference up a bit more. So and they stay below us, but it does when you start to look at the table. Still a little bit of a gap, isn't there? Up to Oxford on nineteen, and we're still on fourteen points. But um, at least it's kept Oxford from getting away. You know, they're the sort of teams we really do need to beat. You know, we might not be able to go away and beat Sheffield United away and some of the teams at the top, but you know, the Oxfords and the Swindons, Coventry's, Gillingham's, Berry, like you just mentioned, we now need to be beating them. You know, we've got Berry at home at some point down the line. So there's still plenty of those sort of six point relegation battle games that will have to come and, and they're the ones we will focus on and then try and pick up some more points at the more difficult games. So Yes, it's going to be interesting next few weeks, I think. Yeah, no, well, and also interesting also we go into the January transfer window and um, Paul Hurst's um, pre-match um, interview on the Thursday, he was saying that a lot of the players have been working hard and, um, yeah, kind of like listening and kind of going along with what he's been doing, but he has made it, he sounds like that he's going to be recruiting a few players when we get to the January transfer window. So, yeah, November, December is going to be interesting and then um, hopefully by then we'll be out of the relegation zone and, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what um, what he does in terms of the, the team when we get to January. But yeah, we obviously can talk about that more at the time. Yeah, it's just, it's just interesting though. Obviously now we've seen a few games of him and we've obviously seen the rest of the season. I'll ask you two this question, but if you were going to recruit a player in one particular position, where you know what would where would you look at? What about you, Sam? Where's the one position you think we'd need someone? I well, I think we need a big, tall, strong, commanding centre half. Um, I know we've got numbers at, at centre back, mm. but we haven't really got that height. We've conceded a lot of goals from set pieces, crosses into the box. So maybe there, I think that Paul Hurst might look to uh, to get a, a left winger in because we've mentioned that we've got Sean Wally who could play on the right. We know that he wants to play four four two. We haven't really got anyone as an out and out left winger, so I think he might even look there. Um, but then. Who knows? Yeah, it's interesting. I, just before I ask Ollie the same question, but I think that's right because getting another winger in gives us the ability to play a four four two wide rather than playing a four four two narrow, which yeah. we're kind of stuck with at the moment, doesn't it? And, uh, and yeah, also centre back is probably the one I think most town fans would say because just that physical lack of physicality in the air um, in ter- terms of defending defending crosses, particularly in corners. So, what about you, Ollie? Is there anywhere other than those two you think we'd, we'd probably be looking at at this stage? Yeah, I'm not sure if we should have Sam on the podcast because he's just said exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I think I think numbers at the back, centre half. I think we've got numbers, and also you'd maybe I'd like to see Dom Smith have a chance. But yeah, left winger. I think we're definitely short, and Mickey Mellon clearly wasn't planning on playing anyone in wide positions because we've only got one player, and maybe Shirley. Be interesting to see if he gets a nod. But yeah, yeah I think I definitely right. a, a good, good solid left winger um, who's yeah League One standard. Um, would would fit in, and I don't know, if Sam and, and Glenn. Do you think that is O'Brien more of a central midfielder, or is he? Or could he think he could do a job on the wing as well? He was supposed to, wasn't he, do a job on the wing? But I don't think we'll see him play there very much. I think maybe his legs might not have gone, but he definitely seems more of a, of a central attacking player. Maybe he could even play a, do- a number ten position better than he could play on the wing. But uh, to be honest with you, we've seen a bit of Jim O'Brien, but not enough consistently to really make that clear a judgment on what his best position is. He's been shunted around. He's never really got a run in more than one position for a few games. So. Maybe maybe he's gonna you know, we probably retain him. I doubt we're gonna get rid of any of the players we brought in. It's gonna it's gonna be very costly to get rid of any players we brought in, in the summer. If if he's gonna move players on, it's gonna be the ones that have been here with only a year left on their contract, but there's not many of them and also maybe they're the players we might want to keep. So 
you know, I don't think we're going to have enough money to just bring in players as willy-nilly. We're still going to have to get rid of people, and that might be the, the situation that hamstrings poor, hamstrings poor Hurst a little bit. But we'll have to see what Roland does. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to maybe um, we could always do a bit of review, couldn't we, when we get into December? Because then we would have had the, the players like O'Brien, you know, a few weeks ago, when the Mickey Millen era would have said O'Brien is not really a player that I'm that that bothered about keeping but he's mm. been really solid um, since Hurst has come and yeah if you give us another five games or so we'll be in quite a good position to, to share our views on what players should come and go well like I can I can say I'd certainly send back Evans Blake any point of keeping him now yeah frankly. that's complete <laughs> I just don't understand that why would you sign a player that is crap and crooked and and just like a Chesterfield reject why would you sign go, oh yeah Chesterfield don't want him he must be a good player I just don't get Christ that signing that was just yeah, balmy signing. Don't hold back on that one, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's just, it's, if it he was the player he was ten years ago. But yeah, I just don't get he signing Ebanks Blake, and I don't imagine he'll be, he'll be on probably decent money as well. So um, he won't play under, he won't play under Paul Hurst. I'll no, bet you money. I, no, I, I don't think, think he will. I think most of the uh, the loanees might end up going back. Um, I mean, Jack Grimm is here till the end of the season, yeah. um, which is a good move. Um, I think. You might try, you'd probably want to try and keep Ivan Tony yeah. if you can till the end of the season. But other than that, I wouldn't be surprised if we uh, if we sort of return our loanies and uh, yeah. try and free up a little bit of a uh, little bit of money that way. Is he on loan? Yeah, he's on loan. Yeah. Oh, good. Thank God for that. The sigh of relief then. It's <laughs> <laughs> made Ollie feel a lot better. <laughs> yeah, it has. I, I would just say about the loan players as well is that. Um, just to say this about keeping Ivan Tony, I don't know if this is reflective of it, but football manager is normally a very good reflection of real life. So I started a game at Shrewsbury Town on the most recent one, got to Christmas, lost Ivan Tony, moved, he, he then went on loan to Swindon, kept, kept them up and was top goal scorer in League One. So if football manager is a guide, we must keep hold of Ivan Tony because well, he's good. Well, maybe not because I did manage to keep hold of him and I still got relegated. Oh, so well, that's there we go. not great. There so. we go. <laughs> oh, and and I let Ebanks Blake go back, and he scored a shed load of goals for Chesterfield. Maybe not so. then. There we go. You've just you're not very good at uh. the game, I think. Uh, uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. So I think that kind of covers us, doesn't it, Ollie? Uh, we'll move yeah. into the the non-salop news, but we'll go into that section now, and uh, yeah, just we'll see what we can talk just, about. We'll, can I just may say one thing? Sorry, just one go thing. On, um, so obviously, I was on a bit of a man flu, and um on a bit of a yeah a big crest of a wave in terms of leaving the ground and hearing Paul Hurst kind of yeah doing his post match interview and um yeah I'm starting to get a bit of a soft spot for Paul Hurst he's um he's doing I think I'll maybe have a bit of a man crush because yeah it's just it's amazing <laughs> to come in and <laughs> to f- f- win th- win three games and draw one in four games with his soft Yorkshire action if um, yeah hopefully he can keep it up but yeah it's it's oh, I'm re- I'm look so look, so looking forward to the um the, the next few games and um yeah looking forward to football again so that's yeah it's fantastic it's the start of a beautiful relationship this next week will be interesting <laughs> as well with him being a Sheffield Wednesday fan away at Sheffield United oh, yeah. so hopefully he can uh, win get that. the lads well and truly up for it yeah definitely okay we'll, we'll move on to the next section now Ollie and uh, we're, yeah. we're going to talk about a bit of news but then we're going to uh, go through Sam's all time 11 because we're going to get everyone on to tell us their all-time 11 when they come on the podcast. So we'll move on to the next section. Collins checks, opening up for Collins here. Collins goes for goal. What a goal that is for James Collins. Really as good as the one we've just seen at the other end. So, sign-up news this week. Uh, there is no sign-up news as far as we're aware, is there, Sam? There's no, and, and Ollie, there's been no real big changes at the football club. I know Brian um, Cardwell did a sort of video update, didn't he, this week, which he was doing prior to the, the, the finding the new manager. But obviously... Finding a new manager was incredibly frazzling for him, and he's had a couple of weeks off that. But it was all sort of just general updates about the planning application, more planning that's needed for the the new buildings up at uh, 
um, up at the training ground and some other general bits and pieces about what stuff's going on at Christmas. There wasn't really anything that came out of that we were going to talk about. So one of the things we have said we'll do on the podcast is every time we get a guest, just so that we obviously talked about when Sam started going to the football and, and bits and pieces at the start of the podcast, but it's just interesting to know from the era that they've been following the football club, you know, like we did last week for me and you, Ollie, you know, our guests' views. So I'll throw it to Sam, really. What, what, what's your all-time Shrewsbury Town eleven, Sam? I'm intrigued to hear, knowing you. And uh, Sam sat by you at many away games, so we'll see what it is. Yeah, OK. So um, I have gone, like like you said, this is sort of from my time watching the town. And yeah. It's sort of a combination of my favourite players and also those that some of those that I sort of think are the best that I've seen in those positions. So it's a, it is a bit of a mix. So in goal, I've gone for Scott Howie. Mm. Um Obviously, the conference season, he was um, it was a good season for him. And obviously, once it got to the playoffs, um, he, he was a hero. Um, let's not talk about him coming about three foot off his line for every penalty he faced, <laughs> but that doesn't matter. Um, he saved him, he got away with it, and uh, and he almost single-handedly got us, uh, got us up. Him and Trevor, yeah. Um, I would, I, I'd nearly put Luke Daniels in, um, obviously similar sort of record. He had a great penalty shootout at Berry. Um also a great game at Berry in the playoffs. Yeah. Joe Hart obviously has, has gone on to well, some would say bigger and better things than Shrewsbury Town. <laughs> but uh, and then also uh, Jason Lutweiler, I, I do think he's a, a great keeper. You said earlier that uh, he'll probably go on and play yeah. at a higher level. I fully agree with you. But no, I've gone for Scott Howie overall. Cool, good. Yeah, that's a good answer. I think that's different to what me and you went for, isn't Ollie? Because we yeah, went for, it is. Being slightly older, we maybe saw some more keepers before <laughs> before you started going. But yeah, I think Scott Howie's a good shout for anyone from sort of your era. So. What about right back? Okay, so at right back I've gone Ben Hurd. Um, when you asked me to put this team together, I must admit I sort of struggled with uh, with fullbacks. Uh, well, especially right fullbacks. Um, couldn't really think of too many that had uh, set the world on fire yeah. while in uh, the blue and amber. But Ben uh, Ben Hurd was he was steady and reliable during his time here. Um, he he had a good relationship with the fans. Fans appreciated his his work rate and. Uh, and he, yeah, he was a decent player, so uh, I've probably gone Ben Hurd there. I think your left back's probably for similar reasons, isn't it? As well, from from looking at this now, you've gone for a set, sort of similar player, maybe slightly more skillful, maybe. But yeah, go on. Yeah, so I've gone. Uh, I've gone Joe Jacobson at left back um, again. Good, solid, um, reliable fullback. Um, he had a decent left foot on him as well. Um, he scored one of the best goals I've seen live against Sheffield United yeah, a few a years back. Yeah. Uh, some would say wind assisted. Uh, I, think, <laughs> I think Joe says uh, hit across the ball, but uh, no, it, again, um, a good solid fullback who, okay, maybe isn't uh, the best player in the world, but did a real good job for for the town. And I think a lot of people were sad to see him go actually when yeah. they released him. I think he's still doing a reasonable job, isn't he, at the moment in, in the football league? But. Uh, We've had some debate this week, haven't we, Ollie, about Arab teams, and I've been absolutely pilloried for selecting Neil Ashton at left-back ahead of Joe Jacobson and Mark Tierney, so I'm not going to talk about left-backs because I have no <laughs> foot to stand on anymore. So there we go. Uh, uh, the centre-backs, though, are pretty imposing couple of brutes and uh, skillful players as well. I don't think anyone would get past these if they were of a similar age and playing at their peak. No, so uh, I've gone Connor Goldson and Ian Sharps as my centre-back pairing. Um, Ian Sharps was, was just an absolute rock and a, a proper leader when he was uh, when he was playing for us. Um, when we went up under, under Graham Turner, he was just absolutely immense. Um, I've described it as uh, putting his head where others wouldn't put their feet. Um, and he obviously would just give 100% no matter how the game was going or how he was playing him, him himself. I mean, mm. If he was having a poor game, he still would be uh, would be throwing himself into tackles and putting his head where it hurts. And it's great to see that he still coaches at the yeah. club as well at a, a lower level. Um, I, I was at the youth team game a couple of weeks ago when they played um, 
Wolverhampton Casual Youth Team, and Ian Sharps was sat in the crowd watching. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it was just it's just nice to see that he's still uh, paying an interest. To, yeah, he, to the... he coaches. Does he something doesn't at Chester as well, doesn't he? I think yeah, he's the assistant well. manager yeah. at Chester yeah. now. So um, he's still local. Maybe he's a, a future manager in the making as well. Can't be any worse than Mike Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, yeah, Connor Goldson. Um, just unbelievable for, for the age he is. Um, watching him come through the ranks, watched him in the youth team and the reserves quite a bit, and then to see him come through into the first team and, and just look an absolute class act. Mm. It, uh, it was an easy decision to put him in the team, um, and I think he'll be going further than Brighton as well, to be honest. I think he'll be in the Premier League, and, and yeah. I think he's a, possibly even a future England international, to be honest with you, at centre-half. Yeah, I think he's in a tricky point now, injured, isn't he, trying to win his place back at Brighton, but I've, I've no doubt that if he implies, applies himself the same way he's done for the majority of his career so far, he'll definitely get back in that Brighton team, and someone will, someone will take a punt in him in the Premiership, so I hope so, because it will be a quiz, well, quiz in for Roland. Yeah, it? It'll nice sell-on fee. We're looking good. Yeah, he's still only 23 as well, so he's got a lot of time left on his um, in his career. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot yeah. of potential there. Think about someone like Gary Cahill. He never came to play for England until he was quite late on mm. in his career. It maybe a similar sort of career progression for um, for Connor than it was to say say Gary Gary Cahill. But there we go. I'm just looking at um, Sam's midfield here. There's one name down there that maybe some people might not have thought about, but obviously I'm a bit. Maybe I saw a few better central midfielders over my era being a bit older, but you've got a, a, a player there that I can see who might, might not be in everyone's team, but go on. Right, OK, well, I'll start with my uh, with my white, right winger to oh, start on, with. Um, just, well, let's build up the suspense. <laughs> no, I've got Ben Davis for uh, for wide right. Um, I've, like you say, I've, I've described him as having a wand of a right foot. Um, when, he, when he was playing for us, um, if he had a free kick within 30 yards... If it was a shooting opportunity, yeah. you, you felt as though he was going to at least hit the target, quite possibly even score. And we haven't had someone like that either before for quite a while or even after. No. Um, we've not really had a free-kick specialist. And uh, his set-pieces were great as well. Yeah. Um, he could he could really whip a ball in. Um, so, yeah, Ben Davis was quite an easy choice for me there. Um, the player that you're <laughs> talking about, this is probably one of those where it's one of my favourite players yeah, rather than rather than yeah. sort of the quality. But Stuart Drummond, I just really liked watching him play for us. He uh, he he was another one that would put his foot in um, no matter sort of what the the situation was. And, uh, and obviously he scored at Wembley for us. I, I remember when he scored that goal, though, because they got it wrong, didn't they? They put Lee Canavill up as the they goal did. scorer, which they is did. like one of those sort of uh, historic shooter towns <laughs> that everyone remembers. I don't think he's a bad player. I just think that, um, I'd say, being older, it's probably my midfielders, I think, from maybe the late and early 90s and, and late 90s, they were sort of, those sort of heroes of my era. And obviously Stuart Drummond was just a, a good standard midfielder for my yeah, era. But I, I don't mean, disagree you should go on your team. No, I mean, same, same as me putting Neil Ashton, isn't it? A lot of people yeah, have done that, but I, I really liked him. If I was going purely on ability and, and sort of best players, then Stuart Drummond probably wouldn't make it. Yeah. But uh, he, he was one that yeah. stuck in my mind and, uh, and that I did like watching. Uh, the other player I've got in the middle of the park is quite an obvious one, Ryan Woods. Um, it, class. Um, totally. Another product of the Youth Academy that's uh, that's got quite a nice uh, conveyor belt of talent coming through mm. uh, he, he was always confident on the ball he could see the passes that other players couldn't really see um, and when we played Chelsea I mean some of the players that Chelsea had in the, the midfield yeah, I mean Ryan Woods didn't look out of place at all and uh, I must admit I was a little bit surprised when he went to Brentford yeah. uh, I thought he would have gone to a, a bigger club than that but uh, he's he's just signed a contract again with Brentford, so uh, there was, there was I, I think he yeah I think he might uh, he might also do a Connor and go a bit further and possibly mm. even play in the Premier League. I, I don't know about you, Ollie. I, you can have a quick say on Ryan Woods because we've never really talked about it on the podcast before. But I think Shrewsbury Town fans could tell the lad was going to be absolute class from the from the moment where he started 
we came in and we sort of knew he was a midfielder, but as as confident and as comfortable he was at playing right back and playing right back for that season and a half and never looking un- out of position, never looking like he was really that problematic. And then from that, just moving seamlessly into midfield, it takes a real good ball player and a reader of the game and, and a class act to be able to do something like that. And he was doing it at 18 or, or 17, yeah. whatever he was at that point in time. So, yeah, he, he was class, wasn't he, Ollie? Yeah, he was a really good player. And yeah, a player I put in the um, centre of um, my midfield as well. And yeah, it's great to see. Um, see, I saw he scored a, well, last season, he scored a great goal, um, a long range kind of shot. And yeah, I, I, I I, believe, I agree with Sam there. I be, wouldn't be too surprised if he um, plays in the Premier League at some point in his career. I think Sam's left winger was someone in your team as well in a slightly different position. But I've crowbarred him in here, actually. <laughs> um, he, he's not a left winger, but I've put Dave Edwards in there. Um, I know, like I say, he's not a left winger, but I think he had to get in my team somewhere. Um, local lad done good. Obviously went to the Euros. He's, uh, he's playing and scoring for Wolves. I think he's... Yeah. I think the stats that he scored in in every one of the last eight or nine seasons at, at Wolves, um, which is incredible. So, it, yeah, just wanted to get him in there, and uh, and that's the space I found for him. He's recently said he wants to come back and manage Shrewsbury one day as well, hasn't he? Which is quite never nice mind manage, get him back on the pitch. <laughs> I, well, I've got a, a colleague who's a Wolves fan, and he's convinced that he, you know he's not going to come back quite yet because he's still literally one of their best players week in yeah. week out. Especially as they've gone through so many different managers, he's that consistent player they've needed. So, you know, I hope he doesn't come back when he's totally knackered and box. I hope we get a good season out of him, but. Even even if he doesn't, you know, it'd be great to have Dave Edwards back involved at the football club because he's still heavily involved in lots of things in the foot in, in the in the mm. town, and you know everybody knows Dave Edwards, don't they? And it's it's great to have people like that. So um, yeah, I, I think he's an absolutely great pick for that sort of thing. And then up front, a couple of deadly forwards. Yeah, so I've gone Grant Holt. I think that's quite a, a straightforward, obvious one. Um, I think it was twenty eight goals in his one season with us, yeah. including five in one game at Wickham, <laughs> um, which was almost as pointless a game as the Middlesbrough one, yeah. but. Uh, I was one of the few that made the trip, and yeah, it was uh, it was one of those nights where you just are thankful you were you bothered and were mm. there. Um, mm. But Grant Holt was was quality Brilliant. for us. Yeah. He, he was far too good for us, really. That's not uh, that's not kid ourselves, but uh, he he was quite an easy pick, really, to uh, to get in there. And then I've partnered him. Ollie wasn't too sure about yeah, this Ollie's, when he saw my selection. Ollie but, doesn't like this guy, but I've got James Collins. Um, I think he he scored quite a lot of goals for the club over two spells with us. Um, in the first year, he obviously scored the goal that confirmed our, our promotion, um, Dagenham and Redbridge at home. Yep. So that's a bit of uh, a bit Shrewsbury history for him. Um, and and second season, uh, second time round, okay, it's it sort of ended on a bit of a sour note with the, the whole incident at Cheltenham and and whatnot. But he still <laughs> scored goals for us in a in a struggling team. And yeah, okay, maybe League One was was getting towards the sort of limit of his uh, of his ability, but. And and yeah, it was probably the right decision to to move him on. Um, but I just think overall he he's worth a, a spot mm. in my my he's, team. He's got to be one of the top goal scorers in the last ten years for us, hasn't he? If you add up all his goals, I guess he must be in top three or four. But yeah, Ollie, Ollie, you've had a rant about James Collins before. I know you're not going to agree about that, but therefore you know it's tough. It's, he's in his team. What can you do about it? <laughs> he is in his team. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say anything. He's a bit slow. I would say one thing. I would say about your midfield, Sam. It's, I wouldn't say there's a lot of pace in there. But um, but no, it's, it's, you don't need pace when you've got quality, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Ollie takes this all very seriously because he's been asking all week 
the listeners to the podcast and general Chiefs Town fans whose team was better out of mine and Ollie's and obviously Ollie's was a better, better team because everyone's completely slaughtered my team so maybe this week Ollie you should do whose team is better yours or Sam's and we'll see if the, the, the decision is any different and uh, see if you can make it two weeks out of two beating, beating people's all time 11 so I think you should do that this week Sam uh, Ollie yeah that sounds like a good idea super well I think we'll, we'll just uh, we'll close it off there I'd say thanks to Sam for giving us his team it's always nice it gives us um, an opportunity to sort of reminisce about some of the old players that we've loved and, and really enjoyed watching and something maybe we've not done on the podcast quite as much as we, we could do we've always talked about doing a sort of couple of like retro versions in the summer haven't we about picking a few old games and sort of things and it'd be nice to get like three or four people down the pub to have a chat about some of the great moments we've experienced in the last 25 years and, and longer if we can find some older people <laughs> but um yeah it's, it's good to do something like that but i think we'll, we'll close it off now Ali and, um, and sam and we'll go on to uh just doing the, the predictions for the next game and the final whistle is blown what a day for kevin ratcliffe Getting victory against his old team. Nigel Jemson scoring both the goals. A player who has flitted around the scene. So the prediction competition rolls on. Uh, we both obviously went for a Super Town win last week, didn't we, Ollie? We were being a bit more positive with the, the little run that Paul Hurst has got us on. And I went for a, a 1-0 win and you went for a 2-1 win. So we were both pretty close to getting it right last week. But uh, it's just a point each for us this week. So the, the gap of about six or seven points between us remains. So... Um, yeah, I think I need to get a correct pick this week. So we're going to do the Sheffield United away game, which is our, our next away game. Just before we do the predictions, Ollie, are you, you going to make it up there? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely going to this one. Yeah, um, I'm going. My brother's going to come with me as well. So yeah, not as enthusiastic in, well, in terms of the score, but obviously come on to that. But yeah, it'd be. A, I like going away to Sheffield. It's a it's a good trip. It's a good one to take on the train. Yeah, you, what about you, Sam? Are you going to go? Yeah, it looks like I'm going to be able to make it, um, thankfully. So uh, let's fingers crossed and, and hope for a, a battle in performance again. Yeah, as usual, even though I, I start I co- co-started a podcast about Shrewsbury Town, I don't think I can make this game for various reasons. I'm about 50-50. I've got a, a party that I've been invited to at 7.30 and I can't really miss it. And so I would have to drive very, very fast over the M62 to get back in time for that party. So I don't know, what is it worth me you know, dying in some sort of fireball on the M62 to go and watch that game? I don't know. But if you're going, it takes the pressure off a little bit. Um, but Yes. What what then are you going to go for as a prediction? All um, I'm going to I'm going to go for well, obviously Sheffield United hammered us a few weeks ago, and they've just yep. had a comfortable comfortable win against Chesterfield. I'm going to go for a two two good away point. Okay, I'm I'm going <laughs> to because I haven't quite got the massive boost of optimism that you two have had on Saturday. I think I'm probably going to go for a creditable loss. So I think I'll go for a two one loss. I think we'll probably nick a goal near the end when when they sort of take their foot off the gas and know it's one. So. I'll go for 2-1 Sheffield United. We'll ask, Ollie, we'll ask Sam while he's here now as well. What, what do you think will happen next week? Well, I'd like to be positive, but uh, I think Sheffield United have just uh, have just shown this season that they've they've found the, the right sort of mix of, uh, of players and I think they're going to walk away with the league, to be honest with you. So, I unfortunately, I can't see anything other than uh, than Sheffield United winning it. Yeah. Um, but I'm like you. I, I'm, I think we might, uh, we might nick a goal. So, I... I to be honest, I think I might go 2-1 as well, yeah. Glenn. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens and we'll see if it changes the uh, predictions at the end of this, uh, the end of next week and see if I've caught Ollie up a little bit. But um, I think that's it for the podcast. So hopefully we, we'll at least uh, get Ollie up there and maybe I'll be up there depending on <laughs> how fast I think I can drive home. But um, I'm looking forward to the next few games. I know that Ollie, I can I can get to Fleetwood and I've got the Port Vale game when my daughter's uh, going to be a mascot of that game. So we've got quite a lot of games where we're going to be there together. So it's going to be, maybe I'll take the, the sort of roving mic and we'll do some stuff from the game in the next few weeks. Yeah, no, yeah, I'll be looking forward to it. And um, yeah, hopefully we can keep this run going. Even if we don't get the result we want at Sheffield, bounce back against Fleetwood. And yeah, obviously we'll have quite a tasty home game against Port Vale. So um, yeah, yeah, interesting. Then obviously then we go back into the FA Cup 
Um, but obviously Southport or Fleetwood again. So um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, we'll have to see you again in that game, won't we? But uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the. I think and maybe there's that replay this week. I think it is, isn't it? Is it tomorrow night? I think so it's Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah, tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah, we're recording this on yeah. Sunday, so Tuesday night. And yeah, so yeah, that'll be something to keep an eye on. I think I'd probably prefer to to get Southport just for the chances of us going through, but. Um, It'll be interesting to see how it goes. So, yeah, thank you for Sam for coming and helping us out with the podcast this week. It was good to have you with us. No, thank you very much for asking me to come along. No worries. And as I say, we're going to try and get... Now we've got... This, there's literally cables across <laughs> my front room at the moment, Ollie, with plugged into all sorts of things. But we now know this system sets up and this system works. So we've got a couple of other guys lined up in the next few weeks, haven't we, to come and join us and, and give us their views on different things. So it should give everyone a little extra voice and a, and a little bit more variety to the podcast and it'd be interesting to see if people are you know, int- are, are happy with the, the change or, or they'd rather not hear people like Sam gathering on. <laughs> they have to see. At least give it another person or two <laughs> yeah. before they decide. Exactly. Don't so, base it just on me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah, th- thanks for Sam. And, and yeah, Ollie, anything to say? Yeah, just say big thanks to Sam for joining us. Um, yeah, we've been keen to um, to get different people on and um, Sam's always someone we've had um, in mind in terms of someone we'd like to get on because we've always, yeah, he's got a good opinion on Shrewsbury and football. So yeah, just big thanks to Sam for joining us and um yeah we'd be i guess maybe the test would be sam if we um if we maybe say to the guys or sam's on the podcast again and see if the the listens jump through the roof and um yeah maybe we'll have a look at the stats we'll call you don't call us (laughs) 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 all right anyway uh, thanks everyone for listening anyway and we shall uh we shall catch you next week after the sheffield united game cheers guys cheers guys bye cheers thank you